Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken here, and we are back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio, and I have an amazing guest for you today from Belgium, almost the other side of the world. Stephen Van Bellingham is going to amaze us today with his insights. He's an amazing customer experience expert, uh, best-selling author. More about him in just a moment. A few quick announcements, and if you've heard the show, you know they are about leaving your questions on social media channels like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, because I will either answer them there, answer them on this show, or answer them in my TV show, Be Amazing or Go Home, which can be found on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Roku, C-Suite TV, and many other places. And now we have the whole first season on a YouTube channel. Just go to beamazing.tv. By the way, if you are leaving a question and it's in social media, remember to use the hashtag AskShep. A special thanks to our sponsor, Mitel, powering connections for over 50 years. All right. Let's get into the interview. Stephen Van Bellingham, who is unbelievable. And I will just tell you that last year, I had the privilege of watching him dazzle an audience with insight after insight. And, and he's smiling. I'm watching him on video. But it's the truth. He was a highlight, if not actually the highlight. Well, there was Mickey Mouse and Goofy also at the conference because it was at Disney Paris. But if you take them out of the mix, he was definitely the whole highlight for me. I got to watch this guy deliver an amazing presentation about customer experience. He's also a huge Disney fan, and uh, he can tell us more about that. Stephen, welcome to Amazing Business Radio. Hey, Chef. What an introduction. It's, uh, I'm blushing here in Belgium, so thank you very much for having me. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. And the <laughs> one I absolutely have to announce today is you have a new book. Yes. Offer you can't refuse. It is available. Go to amazon.com. Uh, I can't wait to get my copy. I just, uh, it was just released. And uh, I, from what I can tell, I'm probably going to add this to my book of the year list, which uh, when I recap my favorite books, because even without reading it, I know who you are. And I know it's going to be a freaking crazy, great book. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying your enthusiasm. Thanks for that. <laughs> oh, thanks. All right. Well, let's get right into it. Quick little background on yourself. Give us like the 60 second version of who you are. All right. I'm, uh, I'm Steven, live in Belgium. My passion is to um, share ideas about the future of customer experience. I got... Um, you know, a, a love for technology and a love for customers injected when I was a teenager. My, my aunt, she, she lives in, Sinfra, uh, in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, and I had the pleasure to spend my summers there. So I had a good time there and, and enjoyed the vibes and the positive energy of Silicon Valley. And, and my parents had a small photography store in Belgium. And looking back to those days, you know, I, I, have, to real, I have to admit that my dad was really innovative in terms of marketing. He was, you know, he was into one-to-one marketing. He was really into customer experience. I didn't realize it back then. I thought it was the most normal thing in the world. But looking back now, he was extreme customer centric. So, you know, I have a passion for technology, a passion for customers injected in my roots. And, you know, that's still what I I love to do today in in giving keynotes and writing books and and sharing content on on YouTube or Instagram. That's what I enjoy. 
Wow, that's great. And I will tell you, I similar story with me. I don't, I, I didn't realize it. My parents taught me my customer service lessons when I was okay. 12 years old doing magic shows for birthday parties. Mom says, write a thank you note. Dad says, call them up. Find out if you did a good job. Ask them what tricks they like. Whatever they don't talk about, get rid of those tricks. Replace them with better tricks. You know, it's like process improvement and, and, and improving the experience. Yeah. I had no idea that was customer service and experience, but you're right. It's injected into us. Uh, I don't know if it was in our DNA, but it was definitely uh, taught at a young age. So tell us about the offer you can't refuse. Yeah, I, I wanted to bring a, a positive story about the opportunities we have now as organizations to, to make customers happy. Um, you know, I, I think we're at a turning point right now, probably even a double turning point. On the one hand, in 2020, we've seen the biggest digital training course the world has ever seen. Uh, oh, yeah. We're, we're forced to using digital for every part in our, in our lives. And, you know, if you look to all the statistics, you see that this is going to stay. This is a, a new a new kind of, of society, both in our private and professional life. So, so there's a, a big jump there. And I think companies should, should you know, take that opportunity to make their customers happier, to, make, to help them better, uh, make their life easier, and so on. So I think that's a big turning point. And the second turning point that I see is that more and more customers expect companies to take their responsibility in society. Um, in fact, you see in research that companies actually have a higher level of trust in business leaders than in government leaders at this time and they expect companies to tackle the challenges in society and you know there's a lot to do about that you have people who believe in a higher purpose as an organization you have people who think it's the dumbest thing in the world what i try to do in this book is to convince people convince companies that they don't have to change the world they have to change their world and look at the strengths that you have as an organization see how you can leverage them to solve really concrete issues, concrete challenges that we see in society. And, you know, I think that's just a responsibility that you have to take as a business owner. If, you know, if I was, I was looking into the research of how people in the United States react to the Black Lives Matters movement and what they expect companies to do. And there's a change because in the past, a company would assume saying nothing is the best possible strategy. It's, the, it's a low risk strategy, especially saying something about a sensitive topic like this. We, we should stay silent. Today in this research, you see that staying silent is by definition negative. And actually people expect two things from organizations. On the one thing, they expect them to have a point of view and share that with the world, but that's not enough. They also expect them to act upon it and be very transparent about the, the journey that they, that they describe. And you know, by being transparent about such a journey, customers can actually hold you accountable if you're going into that journey and they can, they can look at that process and see if you're doing the things you're actually saying that you will do. So, so you know, by writing this book, I wanted to jump on these two turning points and I wanted to offer companies a a roadmap, a roadmap, a pragmatic view, a pragmatic approach on how to create an offer people can't refuse. And, yep. you know, to, to, to conclude, uh, oh, th there are basically four levels that I think that you need to offer to your customers to make them really happy, four components. And, and one is as obvious as, as it can be. It's a good product for a good price and a good customer service. That's, that's the minimum demand of the past. You know that. Huh? And on top of that, you have digital convenience, but... In, in my perception, this is also becoming a commodity. So now, you, you, mentioned, uh, you mentioned we've been thrown into the future, basically, in my mind. Yeah. 
uh, yeah, with, right. with the technology and now we're, we're using, I, I, there's you, by the way, you're the easiest to interview because I just simply said, tell us about the book. And I just, I could walk away, come back in a half an hour and we could turn off the interview because you're, you're giving us a great speech right now. And, and I want to go through all four of those points, but you've said some things that I think are really important. Um, and I want to make sure we emphasize this and I'll bet this shows up in your third or fourth point. And that is, uh, the company needs to stand for something. And uh, when you can, uh, as a company, large or small, be involved in the community uh, by representing something that you stand for. It could be a charity. It could be Black Lives Matter. It could be uh, Chick-fil-A, for example. Uh, the family values always closed on Sunday. And, you know, you won't go to the airport. I want my Chick-fil-A. Oh, it's Sunday. Okay, can't get it because... I understand and appreciate their values. Uh, uh, cosmetic companies that won't do animal testing draw a certain crowd. So this is a powerful um, value proposition, if you will, to the customer saying, we know who our customers are and we're with them. So anyway, I j just want to make that point. And I love the way you don't change the world, you change their world. That was a tweetable moment right there. <laughs> All right. Number one, good product, good price, good service. Number two, let's talk about digital. Then we're going to take a break and come back and cover three and four. All right. Cool. So digital convenience. Um, you know, if you look to the past 10 years, it, it was all about mobile. It was about social. It was about 4G. And, you know, the companies that really became successful in the past decade, those are companies who really understood how to create convenience. And, um, you know, I, I always like to work with the scarce resources that people have. In my opinion, that's time, money, and energy, right? Most people that I know would like to have more time, more money, more energy. There are not that many people who have enough of all three. And if you know that as an organization, you know, that's a good way to look at the digital interfaces you have. Are they time savers or are they time takers? Can you help people save money? Or do you cost money? Do you take energy or do you give energy? You know, the, the simplest example is Amazon Prime. Two-thirds of the U.S. population is on Amazon Prime. Why? Because it saves time, money, and energy. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that's, that's a new minimum. It's a commodity. If you have a good digital interface, people think it's the most natural thing in the world. If you don't have it, you're in deep trouble. But it's hard to differentiate on it. And, you know... We'll be able to stretch that a little bit more. We're going to move more from e-commerce to automated commerce where you outsource certain decisions to a machine and that you move from a one-click to a zero-click kind of interface. But that's just a little stretch into that convenience. But, you know, it, it's the further we go in time, the, the more we go into the future, I'm convinced the more that digital interfaces, good working digital interfaces will just become as normal as, as, as breathing and as having access to electricity. So I, you know, I wrote a book titled The Convenience Revolution. And right. one of the companies I, I wrote about in that book was Clear, C-L-E-A-R. I don't believe it's around the world yet, but it's here in the U.S. And when you went to their website, not today, but six months ago, and for the longest time, big letters, reduce friction. You know, basically what they do is, they save you time because uh, Clear allows you to, uh, if you go to the airport, uh, you've got your TSA line, which is regular security, your TSA pre, which means you paid a little bit of money to go through a line where you don't have to take off your shoes and uh, take your belt off and empty your briefcase. And then you've got 
Clear, which isn't in every city, but it's a separate company that does a separate testing. They use biometrics and you go in, there's never a line in the clear because it's not expensive, but expensive by the standard of the other is free. And uh, you cut in front of everybody and you feel good about it. (laughs) (laughs) But but that's what, what, I mean, they save you time, they save you energy. And as far as money goes, time is money. They get you where you want to go faster. They reduce the friction. Um, You know, you've got companies like Amazon, you walk in, grab something off the shelf and walk out of their, you know, their stores. These are, this is the digital future. So the reason I bring this up, and I know I got way off the subject. So maybe what we'll do is I'll ask you this question. We'll take a break and come back. So you have a chance to think about it. About a year and a half or so ago, maybe two years ago, when the book came out, there was an article written by a major organization, uh, basically JD Power, who's the major survey company here, J.D. Power results get you awards and that type of thing. And they said convenience is the new currency of customer experience. But you're saying it's become a commodity. And my question to you is, and I still want to cover three and four, is if this is a commodity, what is the next level that we can think about in the future to bring convenience or to bring a better experience to our customers Think about that. We're going to take a short break. We're coming right back. Don't go away. Your world has had enough unknowns. It's time to take control of your future. In business, it's all about creating meaningful human connections. When circumstances are keeping us all at a distance, it's even more important to focus on making every interaction count. Well, Mitel Remote Working Solutions powers your connections from the inside out. So you have all the tools you need to have high performance moments with everyone in your network, whether it's in the next cubicle or a makeshift wildfire refugee in the next state. Cloud communications keeps everything at your fingertips so you and your teams can communicate and collaborate easily no matter what's happening. So are you ready to move forward to fortify your business communications? Get started with Mitel, and you can reach them and learn more at mitel.com forward slash remote work. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio. I'm so excited. I almost stumbled over the name of my own show here. We're with Stephen Van Bellingham, and he is the author of The Offer You Can't Refuse, and it is an offer that's so enticing because of the experience that you provide. Why would you want to go anywhere else? Uh, we've talked a little bit about the book. We've talked about what well, we're getting into the four concepts, but I started uh, the break or, with a question that I wanted him to think about as we went into the break. And that was convenience uh, or uh, what, what's next. I mean, if, if, if we want, if convenience separated us before and now it's a commodity, what's the next big thing. And I still want to cover points three and four that you wanted to get into. All right. I love your question, uh, Shep. And, and we're going to bring point three and the answer to your question together. So my awesome. model was good product, good price, uh, digital convenience. How do you differentiate in the future? I, I use the terminology become a partner in life of your customer. Um, where you think beyond the product, where you, where you basically think about the human behind the customer and you try to understand the movie that a customer has playing in his or her head. Every one of us have a, have a movie of their life in their head, right? We, we have 
dreams and fears and things that we hope will happen and things that we hope will never happen to us. Everyone has such a dream, such a movie. Question is, how can you add value to that, to that movie as an organization? How can you become a partner in life? And there are a number of stages because when I use that terminology, a partner in life, some people get really excited and some people start to shiver and say, I don't want a company to be a partner in my life. I just want them to deliver something as efficient as possible. So there are different reactions to it. And, you know, the most extreme examples of partner in life are the super apps that we see in Asian markets. Like in Singapore, you have Grab. In China, you have WeChat. And, and basically, literally, they do everything that you need in your life from mobility to healthcare to insurance to financial services. It's all in this one super app. That's, yeah, a partner in life in its extreme yeah. form. Huh? Um, but you can go to a lower level. Like if you look to our lives, we have we, we need advice, support, uh, help in terms of mobility, financial services, healthcare, uh, safety. Uh, there are a number of topics that are really important for everyone. And you could use a partner that, that helps you. Um, like the, the bank that I'm using here in Belgium, it's KBC, it's called. It's a local bank, but it's seen as, as one of the top five most innovative banks in Europe. And their CEO is always awarded by uh, Harvard as one of the best CEOs in the world. He's always in the top 20. And, and this is a fantastic example. They, they started with a mobile app like every bank has, and it's extremely convenient. They have one of the best in Europe. Then they became a payment platform and they tried to help me with all payment issues that I have in my day-to-day -day life. Like a simple example, when I go to a parking garage here in Belgium and I have my phone with my app on it, you know, the, the parking garage opens up automatically. I don't need to take a ticket. I park my car. I do my thing. I come back. I just exit the parking garage automatically, don't have to push anything, don't have to pay, and the payment is done automatically thanks to my banking app. If I'm taking a train here, I don't need to buy a train ticket. My app knows that I'm on a train, so automatically I have a train ticket for that specific train that I'm on, and I don't have to worry about it. So they become a partner in, in, in payments. Yes. Now what they've done is they opened this app up for non-customers. It's not just a KBC customer in Belgium that can use it. Any Belgian can now use the app and those services that they offer because they want to be the payment platform. They want to be a partner in paying. And now they're going to go one step further. Uh, in a few weeks from now, they're going to launch the first European virtual assistant in a bank. Uh, her name will be Kate. And basically what they will do is they will look into my payment habits. They will look for patterns there. And then they will come to me and say, Stephen, you know what? We've seen that according to your profile, you're paying way too much for your energy bill. And here is an offer. We negotiated a contract with another party and you're going to save 20% on your energy bill. You just have to say, okay, I want to have this new contract and consider it done. You know, that's a partner in life in terms, yeah. of, in terms of my financial services. That's, that's a whole new dimension of service. It goes beyond trying to sell me an investment or, or trying to sell me a loan. No, they're helping me out with my entire financial management. So uh, I love this. And to me, partnership is like a vendor relationship on steroids. But you've been giving me B2C examples, business to consumer. Can we be a partner in life in the B2B world, business to business? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me give you an uh... An example of a facility management company in Denmark, ISS, they're one of the largest. Um, they have more than 500,000 people on their payroll. So what they've done now 
is they install sensors in the buildings that they clean here. And those sensors start to um, gather data about the buildings that they do the, the maintenance for. So after a while, it's like the building is coming to life. And they can tell their customers, look, this aisle is overused, this one is underused, this meeting room, overused, underused, this toilet is overused or underused. And they adapt their services to that information. So they can give data back to their customer and they adapt their services based on the information they have, which wow. makes it more efficient for them. And at the same time, they can proactively give advice to their customer how they better you know, do their overall management of that building. Unbelievable. That's a fantastic B2B example. No, I love that. I love it yeah. because it's such a conservative industry, you know, and still they, they look for ways how to, to be a better partner in their B2B relationship. Wow. Wow. All right. I don't want to run out of time and you know, there's number four. <laughs> there's number four. But the good thing is we already talked a little bit about that one because number four of the model is changing your world. It's using your strengths to make a difference in a problem that you can solve. Uh, and the combination of those four, you know, the, the product price, digital convenience partner in life, changing your world. I strongly believe if you invest in those four components, you can give customers an offer they can't refuse. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about changing your world. Um, some examples of that. And yeah. by the way, was the Chick-fil-A example, a good example was is Virgin, uh, you know, Richard Branson's Virgin Unite, a good example of that? Yeah, they're good examples. And, uh, you know, let me give you another European one. Is that okay? Or would you prefer yeah, one yeah. from the As US? As a matter of fact, I love getting away from the typical, uh, you know, we talk about, and I love these companies. So anybody listening from Zappos, <laughs> Amazon, Nordstrom, Ritz, Carlton, all the companies, Disney, all the companies I love to talk about. Let's have some European examples of companies over here that we might not have heard of such as All the right. company you just mentioned who had 500,000 people on their payroll. Yeah. That's a big ISS. company. That's a huge company. Do they do any Denmark. business here in the U S I think so. Okay. I think wow. so. Yeah. I'm not sure to be honest, but I think so. Yeah. Well, let me give you a European example for saving your world. It's um, the oldest hamburger chain that we have in Europe. It's called Max burgers. It's based in, uh, in the Nordics and their mission is that, you know, let me, let me rephrase. Uh, do you remember, Shep, the best burger you ever had in your life? Yes. Was it a beef burger? Yes. That is the problem for Max Burgers because I saw this guy from Max Burgers present to 1,000 people in, in Scandinavia asking the same question to the audience and 99% raised their hands. Yes, it was a beef burger. Now, the problem with beef burgers is, of course, they're delicious. But on the other hand, we know that they're bad for our personal health. And we know that they're very bad for, for the planet. Huh? It's, it's one of the big drivers of, of climate change. So they want to be climate neutral at Max Burgers. And they said, you know what? There's only one solution to get there. Half of the burgers that we sell have to be non-beef burgers. How can we do that to make sure that the quality of those non-beef products is better than the quality of the beef products? And they create climate, they started to create climate neutral menus. So when you go to their, to the burger place, when you go to a restaurant, they still have beef burgers, but they have this separate menu that, that tells the audience, tells the customers, these burgers here are climate neutral. If you buy them, you help us in achieving our mission to become climate neutral. And, you know, to compensate for the beef burgers, 
they start to plant trees and customers can help to plant those trees. And they succeeded in this mission. Half of the burgers that they sell now are non-beef burgers. And they're so with non-beef be exactly considered vegetarian, excited. chicken, um, what other, uh, is yeah. that what? Chicken, chicken, fish, but they also uh, double down on the plant-based burgers. Like right. you, know, you have Impossible Foods beyond uh, meat. You've got a couple of them here in Europe. They double down on those as well because, you know, it's, it's if you like the taste of beef, they want to give you that, that option without the trade-off that it's bad for the planet. And that, that's, you know, they're so extreme in it, but they do it in a way that is very customer centric by communicating about it, by taking the customers into that journey. Customers feel that they're part of that journey. And on their website, if you go to their website of Max Burgers, you will see completely in a transparent way how, do, how they calculate everything, how their menus are composed to make sure and to prove the world that they are now climate neutral. All right, so check out Max Burgers. All right, so the four points are a good product with good price, good service. That's your value prop. Yeah, a digital convenience, become a partner uh, with in the life of your customer and changing your world, your cause, something that the customers say, yeah, I want to be a part of that. Um, we are out of time. And, and I just want to ask you one more question. I call it the one thing question. And that's what one thing it's you always share with the audience. Just the final question, something you want to reiterate. And I want to reiterate that this book, you're, the offer you can't refuse. If you've been listening to what Stephen has been telling us today, how could you not? He, basically, he made us an offer you can't refuse. You can't refuse to go get the book. Do it today. So go ahead. The one thing. The one thing that I want to share. Oh, that's, that's such a difficult question. And you caught me by surprise. So I'm thinking while I'm speaking. You know, I can make it easy. If there's something you want to emphasize. Me. Okay. That you've talked about that's like if there's one thing of the things that I talked about, go there. Now, now I'm going to work with an with an invitation to the to the audience. Huh? You okay. Know, because changing your world is sometimes very vague for companies, and and then they come up with with a purpose on a PowerPoint slide that doesn't have any impact. You know, it's they go for two days on a seminar, and then they come up with the average of the average of the average, and it you know it it doesn't do anything. So I. I don't like that. So I would invite companies to rethink their process and think about the trade-off that their customers have to go through when they buy something from their organization. There's, maybe there's a trade-off between privacy and convenience. Maybe it's doing something that I like to do in my personal life, but I know it's bad for the planet. Maybe it's, I, it's a cheap product, but I know that it's not produced in an ethical way. What's the trade-off in your industry? Think about that one. And once you have identified the trade-off, start to ask yourself the question, how can I reduce it? And over time, maybe eliminate it. And if you follow that process, you know, that will help you to, to find out how you can have a really positive impact on, on the world using your strengths and with a high business impact on your customers. Wow. Well done. Well said. Perfect one thing question answer. Stephen Van Bellingham the author of The Offer You Can't Refuse. And I've got to tell you, one of the guys I'm looking up to because your mind is filled with such great information and the way you deliver it. And I'm going to tell you, when I, I couldn't keep up with the notes I was taking when I saw you speak. And as I listen to you today on our show, same thing. I have a page of notes 
written here that I know I'm not going to be able to read my own writing, but I'm excited to be able to listen to this podcast over and over again. So thanks so much for being on the show. This is why we call it Amazing Business Radio. You were amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Chef. It's an honor to be part of your show. It was a pleasure to be here. I can't wait to see you again in real life. I hope sooner than later when we're allowed to get on a plane and fly places that will allow us to cross borders of each other's countries. So, hey, everyone, that wraps it up. Another episode of Amazing Business Radio. Be sure to tune in next week when we'll have another interview. And until that time, be safe, be healthy, and always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.